Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I am very excited to have my guest, Laura Schaefer. And let me tell you about Laura. She is She's received her Master of Education from Harvard University. And from there, she enjoyed 28 years of a teaching career, mentoring and counseling high school students. After her daughter received a late diagnosis of autism at 15 years old, Laura sought evaluation too. And her autism was formally diagnosed when she was in her late 40s. Struck by how something so important could have gone unidentified for so long, despite her repeatedly seeking out help for various challenges throughout her life, Laura began her autism advocacy work. In 2022, Laura founded her autism consultancy, Autism Discovery, where she mentors late identified autism autistics to help them live happy, fulfilled lives and guides unidentified adults through informed self-evaluation for autism, which can lead them to self-diagnosis. Please join me in welcoming Laura Schaefer. Hi, Vicki. Hello, everyone. All right. <laughs> so we always start with the easy question. What part yes. of the world do you call home? I'm in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, only about 30 miles from New York City. Oh, so, the best of the worlds, really. Yeah. You go in to see the stuff in the city, go to the Met. And then and I lived in Manhattan for eight years. So um, oh. Oh. It, it is very, very nice to get back and to yes. kind of relive those those city days yes yes I love to go to New York you know I I know that my daughter who lived there for six months when she was in a fashion house she um she was a tremendous tour guide and she seemed like we were having so much fun but she missed people that she knew you know New York is a little bit difficult sometimes to make friends if all you do is go to work every day All right, so let's start with really why we're here, and that is to talk about this subject that I think needs a lot more awareness. Um, As some of the audience may not know, I have a nephew who is autistic, and uh, he was diagnosed very early, earlier than normal, and so he is actually in college right now. And he's um, actually did quite well in school, but he had his challenges. And uh, so I'm so happy to have Laura here to talk about um, what she found and um, all about her advocacy work. 
So please share with the audience your story and the journey that took um, you toward the identification of your own autism. Well, um, when you mentioned that I had reached out for help, that was both for my daughter and for myself. My daughter was not speaking at 18 months. At two years, we had her evaluated um, twice officially. And um, in fact, she qualified for state-run um, preschool. Uh, but nobody was telling us that she's autistic at all. And... Um, then she was in speech therapy, then she had some anxieties. And of course, when you're autistic and you are interacting with children and teachers who aren't autistic, you the anxiety is a, is a normal reaction because you are repeatedly given the, the message that you're doing something wrong or that... Um, your natural reaction is not right and things like that. So she was treated for anxiety for several months at age seven. And then I also took her in at age 12 um, mm. for, for all of these different, uh, you know, issues that we could use some help on. Yeah. And it took till 15 years old and a, another round of therapy. And by this point, this is what really gets me a little worked up. By this point, the reason we went into this therapist when she was 15 is that she, in in a hard moment after, after a hard day, said, nobody likes me. I'm unlikable. Mm -hmm. I don't like myself. Oh. And, you know, you, you really do get so much judgment and... Um, you know, ig ignored or just looked at differently when when you behave differently. But if you don't understand that, yes, my brain is a different brain. Mm -hmm. um, certain things are disturbing to me that other people don't mind. And my way of interacting is a little different. Um, so those were her challenges. Mine were till age 45. Mm -hmm. When she was 15, I was 45. And when she was recognized as autistic, I pretty much knew that I yeah. am too. Uh, I raised her as a single mother. We were very close. Our interactions with the world, our reactions to the world, our need for a lot of um, alone time and recovery yeah. time after um, a lot of interaction. And just the, some of the ways that we think were are also similar. Um, but I got her settled first. It took two years for me to um, get my own evaluation. Actually, I, I wasn't going to, because I figured I, 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 I know my truth now, but it became more and more the case that I knew I needed to do some advocacy. I was, I was more and more upset and realizing how wrong it was that my daughter needed to wait till 15 years old yeah. and that I despite reaching out in college three separate times, despite seeing a social worker after college, despite having one year of therapy for anxiety in my 30s, that still nobody mm. helped me. Wow. So so um, I, I, I figured in order, if I was going to be an advocate, I, I should get the diagnosis so that I can say I am autistic as opposed to 
I think I'm autistic. So Perfect. yeah, I got my own evaluation at 47. Awesome. So I want to first um, recognize and applaud that you received so much. Uh, you did so much throughout your uh, career, your life. Uh, I mean, going to Harvard, my God, the time that you had in Europe. So did this make it harder for, for you, for others to accept your diagnosis? So family, friends, coworkers that think, Laura, you're intelligent, you're engaging, you're, you look what you've done. How could you even think that you're autistic? Just share with your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I know that this is a challenge for, for many people. Um, I believe on my end, when I tell people or uh, when people that I work with or are close with know, one of two things are true. I, I kind of front end with the information. I kind of say, you know, it, sometimes it might not seem that mm -hmm. I am challenged by things, but a lot of it I'm, I'm is internalized. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, a lot of people know that I, uh, I am not very social, you know, so when they work with me, they see me alone a lot, and, and they see me excuse myself a lot. Um, there's that, but then I also think, honestly, that um, people who know me well, it makes sense to them. Uh, yeah, I, I so could see that. that. Yeah. So even though I did achieve a lot and I am proud of, um, you know, my accomplishments and I can be social, um, those who are closest to me know and get that it, um, there is something different going on. I'm not just the run of the mill, successful social person. <laughs> it's, it's a different sort of different sort of. Uh, yeah, I, different I, sort of brain, honestly, is what it is. And I could see, uh, uh, as you were saying that, a couple things. One, you became a master at suppressing how you really felt, maybe. Um, and the the second thing is, people's first impression may be one that you're just standoffish or, you know, not wanting to get to know them. And uh, un until they do, as you said, become in, in your inner circle, um, then they realize that there is a reason for this. And, and it isn't that you um, are trying to be standoffish, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm very open about um, now telling people mm -hmm. that I'm autistic and this and that are, you know, part of my daily experience and, you know, not even necessarily apologizing, but just informing and, um, helping people understand because why would they yeah. think you know that it's autism is a hidden uh condition so um i i'm very proactive with that not only for my own interactions with people but to uh educate just society at large that you know the autism that we thought was autism in the 80s and 90s you know there are many different presentations um, and there's the masking and the kind of um, coping that a lot of autistics do in order to fit into society, in order yeah. to have uh, a job that uh, has coworkers. So most of us have done a lot to compensate and to um, 
handle, found out our own ways to handle the situation. And then once we're um, out of a situation that needs us to kind of behave like others, then we can, okay, recover, adjust, regain our equilibrium that um, is comfortable for us. And, and that's really, I think, how a lot of us manage is an in and out of society mode. And then, okay, now I get to have my life the way I need it. Yeah. So uh, I know that uh, whenever I've heard you speak before, you talked about the, that diagnosis piece. And a lot of us only think of autism as being diagnosed in, you know, around age three. And a lot of times there isn't a distinction between male or female. In your research, and in this, I guess, goes towards that education piece, talk to the audience about what you found in terms of the female and hormones and things like that, where as your daughter was at 15, 12, 15 is starting to go through that change and perhaps things were getting worse because of the hormones and things. So please talk to the audience about that. Well, with the hormones specifically, um, I think the other end of the of life is really fascinating because there are women who go undiagnosed, born in the 60s or 70s, and can handle with kind of the strategies that I was describing, mm-hmm. can handle things. But when menopause sets in and perimenopause and those hormonal changes, they no longer can. Yeah. And the coping mechanisms that they were able to uh, use to to manage no longer work. And mm-hmm. it, it everything kind of either, you know, there's burnout, there's... Yeah. Um, shutdowns, meltdowns, and um, that actually is what exposes the autism finally Mm. at perimenopause or menopause. Um, For at the younger age, at puberty, um, part of how I um, experienced it, and I also work with young adults with social skills, and I think the hormones might play a role, but what I'm more convinced is going on is that social situations become so much more complex yeah. under 10 years old the teachers navigate things they say make sure to uh, include everyone or they partner you up together and parents arrange play dates and things and, and they even give you an idea of what to do and arrange the activities mm-hmm. but um in the middle school years and early high school there's a lot more freedom um students and children and and teens do their own thing more. And it's no longer, let's make sure to reach out to everyone yeah. and be kind. People right. don't even necessarily need to be unkind for it to happen that an autistic person finds himself alone a lot. Um, and also maybe in my uh, several cases that I, I can remember as a teacher or myself, I didn't want to be part of that group. They were talking about silly things that that didn't really interest me. And um, I need, for instance, I was a very serious student. And in between classes, I needed my brain to kind of uh, rest and prepare for the next. Um, And so those few minutes in between classes were precious to me to have a break. And that meant not talking to people. 
So, you know, and that, that's, I think you, you, you mentioned earlier, so maybe she's not, she doesn't want to be friends with us. Um, and then it self-perpetuates. Um, I, I had a pretty happy um, adolescence and there wasn't a lot of negativity, um, but there definitely was always a feeling that I was not the same and that, and I didn't, I didn't know why. Yeah. And I know that my nephew who, when he was younger, it wasn't as um, obvious, you know, but as he got to middle school, high school, then the bullying started and, uh, and people just weren't as accepting. And as for him, everything was black and white. He had trouble with gray. <laughs> and so when I, and you know, in sports, team sports, he wanted to play, but then he wanted to play by the rules. And anytime someone in the, the team was not following the rules, he thought it was his job to make sure they knew that. And so that sort of alienated him at times. Um, and then you have social media now for those middle school, high school girls, especially, where they can be brutal if you don't fit in to their what they think the ideal girl should do or say uh so it makes it i think even tougher and that's probably how the experience that your daughter had with um people don't like me and you start to worry well are they going to be thinking of um suicidal and things like that it happens it definitely happens um and uh, strictness for the rules. No, you guys can't do that. Um, my own version. And I didn't know about my autism until 45, 47. So it, it, it went into my adulthood. I, I um, wasn't very good at um, t taking turns in conversations. I would want to say what I wanted to say and it, I would be interrupting um, as well in terms of knowing how to start the conversation or mm -hmm. how to end the conversation. So I think a lot of people, we, we, we might make others uncomfortable because yeah. we don't, we aren't naturally good at the things that society expects. And what I'm hoping is that people like who you're describing uh, in, in who a girl who maybe is, not in in the group for all these different reasons that set her apart she's not alone mm -hmm. there are plenty of other girls like her um who are probably trying their best to pretend to be like the others yeah. and so with education with destigmatization with broader awareness i mean i would have loved if i if i knew who i was in high school and i could be vocal about it and proud mm -hmm. about it and I say you guys you know this is just the way way my brain thinks about it and you know then I could find those others because to me it was everyone else against me yeah but there's probably a whole bunch in the, in the middle who girls today and and boys can sort of buddy up with and mm -hmm. um have their own conversations which aren't about 
things that they think are silly and instead are about things that that are valuable to them. Yeah. So I, I really do think that there's going to be a greater appreciation and acceptance of people who are different. And then a greater realization that there's a pretty big group that are different. Mm-hmm. Autism is is fairly rare. We're, we're still, you know, even with the increased diagnoses, um, the, the most recent United States statistic is one in 35 eight-year-olds. That's still under 3%. Um, but ADHD or Tourette's or different neurodivergences, uh, we, we tend to think about the world differently and, and certainly our experience of the world is different. So um, a lot of people find a lot of uh, value and comfort in, in you know, friendships with people who are also not the majority. Right. And I I know when we talked before, I mentioned that a lot of the things that you describe, when I talk to people about high, highly sensitive people, that a lot of autism aspects seem to be a, 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 the same. You know, my nephew was, is very sensitive to what is said and and tone and uh, different things. It, and I wonder sometimes if some of the folks that are diagnosed or thought of as being highly sensitive are also perhaps autistic. Yeah, highly sensitive in the, in the sense of um, taking things to heart, but also literally our senses with bright lights or sounds yes. or smells. Yeah, personally, I think that that uh, highly sensitive people sort of um, newer category is um, often a, a bit euphemistic and that the stigma of autism, unfortunately for many, is still great. Um, yeah. For me, I am so happy that I finally understand that, you know, yes. there is a, a difference in my brain that is why I experience the world differently. Yeah. Um, but for others, and especially with uh, maybe with parental pressure or, right, you know, from friend group, you know, that might be something that people are uh, a little bit wary or afraid of or, 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 would rather not think applies to them, mm-hmm. which again, once people, you know, you and I and, and, and interviewing me and, and my speaking and being very public that I'm autistic, I think the more that people like us, because there are a lot of us out there, mm-hmm. the more that we do what we're doing, the less likely someone might want to soften a descriptor for themselves yeah, and avoid this autistic word. Right. And especially um, in the, it is a broad spectrum that you can have. There are some that I um, have worked with with autism that were very much handicapped or, or disabled, if you will. But, you know, like my nephew, like you, uh, he got straight A's in, in high school. He's doing well in college. He has a job. Uh, and so I think as maybe a message to those that are employers, business owners, entrepreneurs that are looking for someone, if as, as you interview people, if they say their autism is a, a present, that, that it shouldn't be a, a stopping point. To me, I 
I think, well, okay, now that I know this, then I know how to navigate it and we can have a great relationship and a good working um, experience. But it's, if you hide it, then, and then I think there could be some issues. What are your thoughts on that? And I know the world has to change a little bit, but. Well, regarding um, some people who have autism, who are autistic and would not, for example, um, go to college. Um, between the, the the best figures that I have um, found, and this is all keeping with the fact that how many people are autistic, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, I think among eight-year-olds, I personally think we're at the right, um, nearing the right diagnosis uh, state where we're finding the, the individuals, yeah. but those in our thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, there's a lot more of us than, than yeah. is understood. But, um, can you just repeat the last part of your question again? So I just wonder, um, if, if somebody was an employer, um, I, okay. I got my thought back. Thank okay, you. Good. <laughs> so, um, the best, uh, advice, <laughs> <laughs> distinguisher that I have come across with is fairly broad. And that is between 40 and 60% of people with autism are also intellectually disabled. So you can have autism and not be intellectually disabled, and you can have autism and be intellectually disabled. So the autism is the same. The autism is the same difficult experience. Um, But when you have a high IQ, when you have a strong verbal ability, that's when you're better able to kind of um, make do and Mm -hmm. interact and, and most of the time, some of the time, be the way society would expect you to be, or only be slightly different. But having an intellectual disability is a completely different situation. And that person then would probably not gain entry to a university. That person often um, the intellectual disability combined with the autism, sometimes uh, people end up living in a group situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, and by the way, with that 3% figure for eight-year-olds who are autistic, 40 to 60% of those individuals are intellectually disabled. So even though it might be 3%, I really look at it at about half of that mm-hmm. are people that you would run into in a school or university setting or in the professional world. So, okay. you know, it, it really does kind of narrow mm-hmm. um, the and, and increase the kind of rarity. But uh, again, people with an ADHD mind, people with Tourette's and Tourette's is very misunderstood and um, Tourette's looks very different from what people assume it looks like a lot of the time. So, you know, I, I estimate, I've, I've heard estimates as, as high as 20%. I think it's probably more like 12 to 15% of the population have some sort of neurodiversity, but that's still a pretty distinct minority. Right. And yes. autism, perhaps the most distinct of them, and um, I believe the, the you know, the, the one that you're going to run into less of. Very good. So what advice would you give women to help them determine if they might be on the spectrum? 
sure. Um, I want to encourage what is be being far more accepted lately, which is self-identification or self-diagnosis. Mm -hmm. If the autistic um, mind that you are becoming more and more familiar with sounds like you, read, read as much as you can, use the internet. Um, certainly, if, an, if a, a youngster is three years old or eight years old, they're not going to be able to diagnose themselves. And and I think that goes on into the teen years. But once someone is in their 20s or 30s, we absolutely know ourselves the best. And so the criteria that an official um, diagnostician is going to use was developed to help figure out if a three or a five-year-old yeah. is autistic. So when you combine the fact that if you're not intellectually disabled, you know yourself, you know what what the signs and characteristics of autism are, you can recognize them in yourself. In addition to all of that, if you factor in compensation and masking, yes. we know ourselves darn better than others yeah. and then an evaluator that we sit with for two or three hours. Um, so, you know, it's a, when I, I actually have innovated um, a guided self Awesome. diagnosis so i don't have the um the credentials to uh, to to diagnose but i certainly have the knowledge the expertise the tools and know what is and know everything that goes into a diagnosis i just don't have that rubber stamp but i can guide people in an efficient way mm. through uh the same mechanisms that professionals use and have it be much more efficient than if they were out on their own for, you know, months and months saying, well, maybe this and maybe that, and where should I look? We can get the job done much more efficiently. And um, when I do, when I ask these questionnaires, it's, it, it, or ask various elements of the questionnaires, so many adults say, well, that used to be true, but no, that's not true. Like, you know, I've, well, yeah, no, I don't like socializing, but because of my job, I've gotten better at it. Or, you know, a, a gentleman recently said, well, this all has to do with being a man, because when I was a kid, um, this would bother me, that would bother <laughs> me. But as I became older and a man, I, you know, people told me, suck it up and don't let it bother you. So um, <laughs> when you get evaluated then as a 30 or 40 year old, the person that you are in, a, in an office for a credentialed evaluator and diagnostician it, you know yourself, you know what you are doing inside. And so a, a woman who, who some of this um, talk and some of these characteristics seem to perhaps, you know, um, they, it rings a bell for them in terms of their, their own experience in life and internal experience and experience that maybe others don't, don't know is that woman's experience. Um, mm -hmm. She can reach out to me. She can read books. Um, if, if a person, uh, isn't at the place of perhaps wanting to work with someone mm -hmm. else or work with me, um, you see the spelling of my name, I'm on LinkedIn and I've got, um, I think at this point, six or seven dozen lengthy posts, awesome. um, uh, another content creator, uh, regarding autism is in, um, uh, I have his name written down. He's in the Netherlands and it's Tristan Lavender. 
so just read and and if these things ring true to you um consider and 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 often when once people cross over and say yeah i'm pretty sure this is me it just gets more and more and more reinforced and things in the past make more and more and more sense so you added to your journey um, a new path and it is called the business is called fine tune eng so um, share with the audience the objectives of this new business and who your all ideal audience would be sure so it's fine tuning we're just spelling it with a capital eng and that's to emphasize the english that we are fine tuning so this is for international professionals um, and students who are proficient in English. I'm not an ESL teacher, but we are taking um, someone who knows that not every word comes out exactly the way it should. Maybe they're asked to repeat themselves. And as a result, um, they're not so confident. The professional landscape is becoming more and more international all the time. And so if your home language is not English, we can make, um, we can fine tune that, we can polish it and, and have it be an asset for your business profile, as opposed to something that's kind of holding you back, um, making better connections, again, increasing your confidence, increasing the effectiveness of your message when you're speaking in English. Mm-hmm. So um, a, a real uh, investment for international professionals that they will then have the rest of their lives and can take take wherever they choose it's interesting i this morning i have a weekly meeting a toastmaster meeting i ha- uh, do with people in brussels so it's uh, a group of multinationals so from very many countries and i served as the grammarian today and was correcting some folks on just what you were talking about, where they had the thoughts, but maybe the words were a little mixed up and understanding that their minds are thinking in their natural language and they're trying to convert it into English in a matter of seconds. So um, definitely I will pass your name on to some of them to as another resource. And um, I am a, a, one trait that tends to be very strong in autistic people is fairness and justice and right and wrong. And so, you know, a a professional, excuse me, a successful business person is going to have the resources to be able to work with me one-on-one. That would be the most efficient way. But um, it's not right to me that people in all of these different countries don't also have this opportunity just because um, their, their budget wouldn't allow it. So I am this minute, in these next three weeks, transforming my fine-tuning method into a way that um, it can be kind of do-it-yourself. And it's going to be a a subscription uh, plan that will be very reasonable, I hope. And in that, I mean under $5 a month, um, where someone can um, either stay with the, stay with it for a couple of months and, and get real good. They can pop in and, and out. Uh, they can use it for the month before an interview or before something like that. And awesome. 
I'm hoping that at that rate, at that um, affordable price, that I can really help a lot of people with this confidence, with this these communication skills. That um, and and another fascinating thing about English, um, there could be a room full of half a dozen people all speaking English, and no one, for none of them, is it even their home language. But it's called a bridge language because yes. if somebody speaks French but not German, and then you also have someone who's who is speaking several other languages, at least everyone has English in common. Yes. So it is. I, I feel extremely proud and hopeful that I'm going to really be able to um, improve people's uh, people's lives in terms of the what's available to them professionally and in terms of their confidence and their relationships. That's awesome. And you could charge more than $5, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm hoping volume. I'm hoping it's so reasonably priced that I have who knows how many people want to uh, jump that's, forward. That's awesome. We'll make sure that we have that in the show notes too. <laughs> so the, That's on its way and it'll be available through um, finetuning.com. It'll be part of my part okay. of my website. So I just have time for one rapid fire question and it is, um, how are you helping your daughter becoming uh, a woman that is living with autism? Well, Socrates is the one who said, know thyself. Yeah. And when I work with uh, people in their 20s, young 30s, uh, who are just realizing they're autistic, a, a young man walked out after our second visit and he said, you know, last week was was great. But after today, I just feel so light. Awesome. I feel so much happier um, because there, there are these uh, burdens and, and judgments that mm. through no fault of our own, we carry along yeah. as autistic people. So my daughter, ever, ever well before we ever knew she was autistic, know yourself. What do you need? Okay. Yeah. You're not going to school today. This or that. Or um i'll never forget she we hosted a graduation party pool party from eighth grade and then there was another pool party the next day very common um she didn't go to the second one she she actually uh took a break from her own party uh. and was sitting on the sidelines for about an hour and i made sure everything was okay and she was perfectly happy she just was she had kind of taken a break. That's right. She had that download. And, and I said, <laughs> well, overload. if you don't go, if you don't go to the other party tomorrow, people might take that poorly because you had your party, but you're not going to their party. And and she understood that. And it was just what she needed. She she truly didn't want to go after having all the excitement of her party. So self-acceptance, self-care, knowing your limits, but then doing something about it. Mm. how how brave of her to say no I it, it's I yeah. really it's not something that uh I'm up for yeah so, so um and and now the fact that I am making changes in my life um knowing finally at 47 that I'm autistic um I can really model for her yeah no nope, those dishes aren't getting done tonight but you know I will be ready for them in the morning that's right they're not going anywhere <laughs> It's time now for us to share my screen so you can get Laura's information because I know you're going to want to contact her 
And again, I will update the slide to have the information about her offer that she has and, um, and when that will be available. So for those of you that are just listening, I will give you her website information and you can go to www.autism-discovery.com. That's A-U-T-I-S-M-discovery.com. Or you can go to www.finetuneng, right? F-I-N-E-T-U-N-E-N-G.com, finetuning.com. She's on LinkedIn and just go by her name, as you see on the screen, Laura Schaefer. And that's L-A-R-A-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. And those of you that are watching this, please go ahead and take that screenshot now. And again, I will update this slide to include that offer about the affordable way that you can do the, the fine tuning in that subscription or, service. Or friends and neighbors and colleagues and, and, and things like that. Anyone yes. you know, even back, back, and back home, anything. I would, I would love to really help people, um, help as many people as possible. And, and that's a really great point. If someone is listening to this and maybe it isn't you, but maybe it's someone that you know that you have in your family, that a friend that would benefit from this, please share this with them. Uh, my goal is to have as many people hear Laura's words as possible. So please uh, do me a favor and subscribe to this, but also to share this with others. Laura, it has been, as always, such a pleasure to talk with you. I definitely want to have you back in a few months so we can find out how things are going with your subscription service. Talk more specifically about that, but also, um, you know, just to keep in touch, to keep aware about where we are with autism and how um, we can help others manage their journey through life as an autistic person. Yes, thank you. The, the The most recent seconds have been emphasized, you know, with with my uh, English company with fine tuning. But don't forget also uh, on my LinkedIn profile, all the uh, many many uh, posts about autism. See if they ring true about a sibling or a friend um, or yourself. And then also the guided self uh, yes. evaluation that I offer through Autism Discovery. So I'm a helper. That's um, awesome. A lot of a lot of autistics are, and we just want to, we want to help. Awesome. Well, as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.